0: Hey there, welcome to The Tint. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. You know, I've been in this hobby since I was a kid. And when I say kid, I mean like I was like three or four years old when I got my first fish. My dad was a guppy breeder, so he always gave me, you know, culls from his tanks to sort of play with or occasionally I'd get a goldfish that you win at the, you know, the, the carnival or something. So I always had fish from the earliest days I can remember. But I think back to some seminal events in my hobby, things that shape us. And I remember a few things. Uh, I remember one incident in particular, and you probably have this. Have you ever had something happen with your fishes, good or bad, in which you had no clue how to proceed? Well, I remember when I was about, this was back about when I was about 14 years old, I had a 20-gallon community aquarium consisting of my fave fishes, kerosens. I woke up one morning to see most of the fish sort of huddled in the corner, which was very unusual with the exception of my large, like 10 school of neon tetras darting all over the tank, you know, in this crazy fashion. And every once in a while, a couple would stop and sort of press together, twitch a bit and release a cloud of eggs spawning my, you know, wow, my freaking neon tetras were spawning. That was so cool. And it was not something that happened every day back then. It was a pretty unusual occurrence. And it happened in my tank, my 10-gallon or 20 gallon aquarium. Uh, and of course, it was on a school day, so I was really going to be distracted. Could I fake being sick? No. I was really sick just the week before, and I was 100% better, so that option was off the table. Totally screwed on that. So, who to talk to, who to call, and where to look for information? My aquarium library consisted of a few well worn copies of Tropical Fish Hobbyists and a few basic books on aquarium keeping, save the antiquated edition of William T. in his exotic trop- aquarium fishes, which I think only had the initial description of the new and exotic Neon Tetra, and then Axelrod's exotic tropical fish, which just sort of glossed over any real details on their spawning, something to the effect that their egg layers scattering them you know, throughout the plants and substrate. Ooh, well, that's a big freaking help. So my dad was a very experienced tropical fish, obvious, but he was a guppy breeder and had no real experience with egg layers to speak up. He was... Uh, Very supportive, and his general hobby knowledge was invaluable and a huge help to me. That that you know, up to that point in the hobby, but he was out of his own comfort zone with this one, and he did his best to offer up some generic advice. But even he knew I needed more information from somebody with experience. And mind you, this was pre-internet. I couldn't just jump on Google, Wiki, or any of a hundred tropical fish sites and forums and. No, it would take either a phone call or a letter to an experienced breeder. Not going to happen. Of course, when I had the chance later in the day, I called my local fish store and the owner, a surly British woman named Shirley, uh, promptly dismissed my call as a near absurdity. And I remember her saying with this British accent, sorry to all my British fans, was neons don't lay eggs. And that that was all I can remember from that phone call. But that was literally the the first thing she said, like, you're full of it. You know, but I'm like, you know, but it happened in my tank this morning. You know, click, she up. Yeah, no help from the friendly local fish store. From that point on, I realized I was sort of on my own. So what did I do? I wanted the eggs to hatch. I wanted to raise the fry. I wanted it to happen again. One thing I didn't do was panic. Even at that young age, I just sort of knew that that would not help. I did what any self-respecting fish geek would do. I sat down and I tried to think of what I did know that could help. One thing in my favor was that I kept a little fish journal with all sorts of notes and observations and facts on my fishes. Turned out to be a very good and useful habit. I could refer to my own body of work if I needed it for something just like this. While having bred a number of fishes already, the idea of rearing small, tiny little fry was not alien to me, and in retrospect, other than the fact that these were fish I'd revered and never thought of breeding, they were egg-laying fishes, much like the flame tetras or even the zebra danios that I've spawned and reared before, albeit semi-successfully, you know, just feed them, right? I tried to retrace what it was that led to the spawning in the first place. Turns out, even back then, I was experimenting with tannins, inspired by a vintage 1970s book called Aquarium Ecology. I decided to experiment with peat moss as a means of softening the water and lowering the pH. Well, hell yeah, it certainly worked. (laughs) And then I had recently started feeding live brine shrimp, chopped blackworms, my mom just loved that, and some daphnia, which I had Reared from stock that I purchased from a member of the American Killi Fish Association. Go figure. Yeah, I was a member even back then. So two things in my favor. Good environmental conditions similar to their natural habitats and a nice variety of fresh foods. Things that every hobbyist knows are good for fishes. And it went on from there. I performed a routine 20% water change just the day before the event and it turned out that one thing I recall... Uh, from that water change was that I had trouble heating the water to the usual 78 degrees that I kept my aquarium at. It was more like 74 or something like that at the time. I was a bit concerned, but everybody seemed okay to take it in stride. A clue? Yeah, perhaps that simulated an influx of water from a rainstorm. Don't a lot of fishes spawn after rainstorms in nature? And there was an event where my lighting timer mysteriously failed and the lights came on much later than normal. And it just went on from there. I stayed calm, gave it a lot of thought, and noted all the things that seemed to occur before the spawning event. Some were totally random. Others, like the temperature change and maybe the light situation, could have some connection. After a few days of intensive research, including a trip to the library, I figured I had as much information as I could garner from my limited resources, and I set out to intentionally try to replicate the events that occurred just before the spawning, and, well, nothing. Every... You know, every bit the stubborn type, I kind of waited a couple weeks and replicated the experiment again. Sure enough, the day after the water change and after leaving the aquarium lights off a little bit longer, another spawning event. This time I was ready. I did manage to collect, with incredible difficulty, I recall, uh, a bunch of eggs. And they did hatch. And I did manage to get a few of the fry to maturity. Although the ones that randomly survived in the aquarium by hiding in the plants seemed to do better and grew faster than my, you know, Brilliant attempt at, at you know forcing growth. Go figure, but that wasn't the point. The big victory was that I acquired this this skill, that experience that you know only the unexpected aquarium event can provide. Rallying when the stuff you don't expect to happen happens, and looking back, I realized that this was how I acquired many of my core skills in the hobby. Sure, many things were passed along from my dad and from generations of hobbyists who came before, but you know, basic stuff that we simply knew to do. However, the real innovative ideas and game-changing knowledge came through stuff happening and figuring it out. Experience earned by reacting to the events that occur as a result of being in this really cool hobby that we're in. Next time something good or bad but entirely unexpected happens, just remember to make curiosity your default setting, not panic, and see what you can gain by reacting well and attempting to learn from, you know, the happening. These events, the ones which shape us, are one of the best gifts that we can get from the hobby. Enjoy them, learn from them, remember them. Stay focused, stay alert, stay curious, and always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Feldman. Thanks for spending a little bit of your afternoon with me. I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tint.